Hey, hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Aryaka's uh, Dreamers and Doers podcast. This is where we invite guests from all over the world to share their perspectives, experiences, and ideas, essentially thought leaders who come and uh, participate in this program. And today, um, I have with me the pleasure of welcoming Lucas Go, who's joining us all the way from Singapore. And Lucas is the director of IT at Volex PLC. For those of you who don't know who Volex is, they call themselves the Global Integrated Manufacturing Specialists. Their story is one of industrial heritage, perseverance, constant evolution, and change. Founded in 1892, this 100-plus-year-old company began as a manufacturer of electrical products and has gone through numerous evolutions through the years, eventually rebranding themselves to Volex in 1984 and then expanding to become a global company by 2000. Volex is still headquartered in the United Kingdom today, but has offices and manufacturing sites all across the world, from Europe to Asia, Latin America, and North America. So with that, Lucas, welcome. Hi, thank you for the nice introduction and welcome, Sashi. And Lucas, go here from Volex PLC. Did I go, do a good job of uh, describing the company? You want to talk a bit more about it and what you do there? Uh, definitely. Uh, thanks for the nice history. Actually, I think you know it a bit better than most of my employees in the company. Uh, but just to give a more in-depth introduction of the Volex company or the brand and stuff. So as the term says, we are global integrated manufacturing specialists. I'd like to say that we manufacture cables and cable assemblies globally for our customers uh, in very various industries and markets. So I think we normally categorize it within the power industry. We do power cords. Uh, we do data center products. We do for the medical industry, medical machines. And one up and coming industry that we are focused on a lot is the EV, the electric vehicles as well. So, so it's a very exciting mixture of products that we have uh, throughout the world. We are one of the few manufacturer that does both the high volume, low customization products and also the high customization and low volume products as well. So I think a lot of the information of the company is of course on the website. So for those who are more interested in what scale are we talking about? We're not a very big manufacturer in that manner. We have about 16 factories across the four different regions of the world. So that's, yeah, that's probably what's Rolex all about at the moment. So. Yeah, it isn't every day that I get to talk to somebody from a company that's been around over 100 years. So there is a lot of history and heritage there. What what do you do there, Lucas? What does a day in the life of a Lucas look like then? So my role, as it states itself, I'm the IT director for Infra and Ops for the entire group. So uh, this, I think it's a very easy summary of the operations, but what I'm in charge or responsible for is of the, the infrastructure the support, uh, IT-wise, the operations, even the cybersecurity. So, so things like your servers, the network, the endpoints, the clients, productivity tools, I can go on with the list itself. Particularly anything that looks like it can be connected to a, to a, to be with, a with a cable that's under my team's care. So. Yeah, and I know we were just talking a few minutes ago, you came off some pretty major upgrades and things like that. You've been a long Outstanding Ariaka customer as well. So I want to maybe ask you, what brought you to Ariaka? What was the problem you're trying to solve? Uh, so maybe I'll just start on for the current company that I'm working for, Volex PLC. So, so what brought Volex to PLC? What brought me 
to start to have a discussion with Aria Kaiser. I think the, when I first joined about in Volex in 2016, when I took over the group operations, I think a few issues that we noticed with the existing infrastructure in terms of the network, the WAN parts. So we were having performing issues when the company was trying to access cloud-based and SaaS uh, applications globally because that was the company strategy maybe a few years even before I joined. So they wanted to be a cloud-first organization. But they, I think they didn't realize that the infrastructure was not really ready for that to be to be designed in the manner itself. We were used to have the MPOS connection as a global went. Then, of course, there was a cost involved and it was a bit uncomfortable for some of the factories because you have different level of cost for MPOS in different parts of the world as well. So I think another one key point, one problem that we were very uncomfortable with is the it was not flexible and it was not agile. So people who have been through that whole entire cycle understands if you need to shift your factory, if you need to set up a new production plant in another country, especially when it's not a really developed city. So there's a lot of challenges there. And it's not really nice to tell the board where IT is the bottleneck or the network is the bottleneck of the entire project. So as we all know, there's long deployment times. Even if you even if you have the deep pockets and the deep wallets, you do, everyone's aware there is a long deployment time, especially for a new location that doesn't have the resources there required for MPLS or even for dedicated least nice kind of setup. So, so there's all these various reasons and these are problems that, 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 that I knew there was a much quicker, easier solution if the company was willing to look at something new. So, so yeah, that's how, those are a few problems that we were trying to solve. And that's how I started to get engaged with Ariaka when I was in Volex. That's actually a very interesting story. In fact, uh, you know, five to seven years ago, it would have been very hard for you to go make a convincing argument saying, I want to move away from MPLS. That would have been considered a bold move. And uh, now there is so much talk about these cloud-first networks and how do you want to make it more agile. And I would assume today your job of convincing would have been a lot easier. Yep. But I'm hoping this um, transition has worked out for you smoothly. Right? Were you able to successfully get over the previous architecture and move um, into the current one? What are some of the other use cases that you're trying out? No, so I think the use cases, definitely, let's talk about that first. So other than just the cost factor and the replacement MPLS, the other use factors, especially for us in Volex, we have three big plants in China at the moment. And we do, I mean, everyone's aware of there is some connectivity challenges at times where you have with China and IPsec tunnels and trying to get a real stable when established itself. So Ariaka definitely help us to resolve that issue to, to the level that we, that we wanted. Then we have the whole application performance increase. It's because of the event acceleration and the lower latency uh, involved with the whole solution as well. So there was a lot more other use cases that actually I had in the back of my mind so even before we started the, the entire deployment project. Because, uh, I mean, I started with Ariaka for Volex in 2016, but I was working with Ariaka with my previous employment I think it was 2011 or 2012, actually. So, so I already knew in my, and with actual hands-on experience, I knew what the whole solution from Ariaka were able to deliver to me. So. You already knew what to expect because of your previous experience. That's, Definitely. Uh, that's a bonus then. <laughs> and it's uh, funny because you checked off a lot of boxes, if you will. You did the MPLS replacement, you did the China connectivity, you got application performance improvements, you lowered costs. So in a way, that's... Um, really um, a full-fledged suite of benefits, if you will. 
when you came over to Volex, I, I know you're you probably had the Zaryaka experience from before, but did you try to go down the path of I'm gonna go build this myself, or are you saying I, I'm going down the path of a managed service? Um, so what what drove that decision for you? Yeah, so that was one of the key challenges of the entire project. Not only that I have to compare with the existing incumbent, uh, I also had to compare with the possible new vendors for MPLS as well. And also, like you say, whether to do it through a managed service with Ariaka or whether to do it ourselves. So all that pros and cons analysis had to put up in the nice whole business case presentation that I had to do to the company itself. But I think what made us do make the decision uh, with Ariaka, I think first point to note is the cost of skill. People should, I think it's a common knowledge that if you're not a specialist and you don't have the volume to, to do that kind of that kind of products or services, so definitely it will cost you a bit more to get started. So that's one thing that we knew that with the number of sex that we have and the amount of bandwidth that we required itself, we will not be really even considered as a, as a major player for anyone that was, that was that's going to do the infrastructure for us in that manner. Then I think, of course, that like you mentioned earlier, Sashi, I had the experience with Ariaka a few years beforehand as well. So I know exactly what can be done or what cannot be done. So, you know, it's not just serious people trying to promise me a beautiful picture because so, I went through the whole setup before. I think one thing I really need to compliment and always I stress to even people, my peers, is the whole technical and customer service experience from Ariaka pre-sales I'm looking I'm not talking after the entire project itself so even the pre-sales part was really impressive and assuring at the same time itself. so you can imagine for me who has experienced that's quite straightforward itself. I, I know what to expect I know I know what's good itself. but for the rest of my team and even for my management itself, who really never heard of the company and to them, SD-WAN is something that they only read about on news articles and they, don't, they have no idea that who, who, who really does it or what it used for. So, so the experience that they had pre-sales and discussions and with the technical people and the sales and account management from Arica, that really helped them to decide that this is a company that really is able to manage this part for us. So, and of course, I mean, the, the key point and the last point I'll say is the promise deployment time or like the quite the time to market itself. How long did we have to wait to get this up? So this this because this was quite urgent when I came in. And I mean the when is the backbone of operations for almost every single company. That's something that you will not really like to wait on, isn't it? So, so all these little factors play a big part in the end for us to make a decision to have the entire managed service from Ariaka for our when. So and this is one of the reasons I love talking to customers because it really makes us feel good about what we're bringing to the market. And so thank you for that. I think our team will be very pleased to hear about the experience. You know, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, you know, the strategic nature of networks. And I want to correlate this to, you know, change management. You were clearly brought in to manage change when you moved away from MPLS and you had to move towards more responsive cloud-first architectures. And I'm sure Volex as a company, it, it, it goes through a lot of change in terms of acquiring companies or spinning up new products and things like that. I, I recently saw that you completed the acquisition of Deca. Yep. So when all of these business changes are happening, as a leader of IT and infrastructure, how do you align with that? And how do you make sure that you know, technology is enabling these business transitions to be successful and not becoming a bottleneck? 
of change management or strategy to me that's already a topic that we can have another podcast on isn't it so but no, uh, yeah but, but I, I like to share my own experience and my own strategy and direction for that so, so to me and to anywhere i go regardless of employment or even as a, on a personal level is a change or some like the quite innovation isn't it itself so, to me is akin to a business or corporation survivor and how well they can sustain their yeah their their, their businesses. So I think it's a it's a core fact that some people would not like to talk about it itself or they try to put it in a nicer way. But to me that's what just what it is is if you if you're unable to change or you're unwilling to change or you're unwilling to innovate itself or you or you you want to do things the same way you've been doing over the years then you are just risking your your survival. So you're just risking whether, whether your company can sustain it. So. so that is the message I always push across to my business leaders, people who I talk with, my management, and of course my team as well. So, so that's the mentality that I set for them straight from day one. So if we don't change, or if we are not willing to change, we will not survive. And yeah, I mean, if you if you Google about it, so there's a lot of big companies they did not make the cut just because they didn't want to change in time so so that's that's the direction and thinking i have about change and change i won't i won't talk about the details on change management but i'll say the usual i have i'll use the usual push and pull methods and stuff i have a good mixture of that i'm more of a very direct person sometimes maybe too direct to be honest about it so because to me with the mentality that change is unavoidable change is necessary for survival so I don't really want to waste too much time on convincing people. I mean, yes, the convincing still has to be done and stuff, but they have to have the back back end mentality that it is for survival and stuff. And it, it is not comfortable as That's one thing that I, I always stress across to everybody else is of change, yes, is for the better. There will be benefits in whether the short run in, in, in the short run or the long run. But it's not gonna be it's not gonna be comfortable. I, I anything that is nice and comfortable. I will really suspect the benefits of it straight away, isn't it? So. That was well put. I just was complimenting you because you kind of captured a very philosophical uh, sentiment there. <laughs> um, it, it requires the right mindset. But it also requires a very conscious knowledge that if you don't disrupt yourself, then somebody else will. Definitely. for change. And I, I can't imagine, you know, the last uh, 12 months or so, I know Singapore is one of the best governed countries in the world. And if I did not come to the United States, I would probably have gone to Singapore. Welcome uh, to Singapore then. <laughs> You're here. I, I love to visit there, by the way. So, um, but you're still not immune from the pandemic. And Definitely that should not. have been a big change agent for all of us. And I would imagine it is for you as well. So how did you navigate the past year in terms of IT infrastructure? Were there any changes that you needed to make due to the workforce um, needing to be remote and things like that. So could you just talk through that? Definitely, there's a lot of uh, stuff that was going on. Uh, maybe I can start a bit the, to answer the earlier question a bit more while I, I, I get into this topic as well. So so we talk about how technology is an, is a, yeah, is an enabler for change as well. And definitely with the whole COVID situation, I think all companies, all governments, all businesses have seen the whole power or how reliant is change or how, how, how important technology is to enable the business itself. So I always give this metaphor to people, technology, or you want to call it IT, whichever words you want to use it, it's like grease to gears, isn't it? So you can have the nice design of your gears. You don't put grease to it. It's going to be really bad. You could damage your gears. It may not even move itself. 
So that to me is how technology is in terms of the whole value chain of, of a business or even society. Is but uh, like the COVID part itself, there has to be caution and considerations uh, to be really thought of and reviewed while moving forward, especially in times where there's pressure with COVID, where things need to get fast, business needs to get their users connected fast, uh, they need to let them work from home fast. So yes, it is possible to do things quickly and get it up, sir, but there's a lot of possible risks and also investments as well to be considered. So I think this was a factor during covid no much business had the luxury to really look at it. Even governments as well. So I'm speaking to some government leaders as well, and they are also now trying to catch up on, on those. I won't call it mistakes. They knew they knew it was something they had to risk, and then they're trying to reduce the risk now as we speak. So, yeah, so if you yeah. if you go into the COVID part itself, so the how has it how has it changed my I would say my role, maybe maybe my strategy and my key points itself. So I think. In a very quick summary, I can't go into the technical details. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to hear about technical details anyways. Uh, but the whole pandemic stress for us, two key areas, security and cloud first. Is, uh, I mean, cloud first is an easy word to say when you're sitting there and considering whether do I buy a new server or do I do I put this as a SaaS or do I want to buy a server and put this as my own service. That's the usual business uh, pre-COVID kind of discussion. I think with the whole COVID situation, it becomes straight away that it was very clear to a lot of business leaders who previously was looking at costs, possible benefits. Now they realize that we don't really have that option sometimes, isn't it? So you really have to make it accessible throughout the world. You make it accessible with different levels of internet. And with that kind of access, then security is a big picture. The whole perimeter has changed. And Unfortunately, the bad actors, the hackers as well, has really evolved and developed during the whole COVID period as well. So this, all these factors has changed my way of my digital projects uh, in IT. So, so I would say security and cloud-first projects was the priority during the COVID period and is still the priority at the moment now when we are moving after the COVID period as well. So. Yeah, I can imagine that um, your job would have gotten easier during this pandemic. It's good to see the degree of preparedness. So if you were to fast forward, do you see any major architectural shifts happening as a result of um, you know this learning or this forcing function that happened over the last little while? And you think it's going to impact networks in any way as well? Yes, definitely. First, the architecture shift, I think now architects really have to consider or at least start to document the really change of the perimeter. I mean, work from home used to be an area that we, people were aware of. They didn't really like to put it into the architect designs because they know the investment that will be involved if you include that as well. So I think it's, some, it's, it's, a, it's a fact now where a majority of the workforce, or not a majority, a certain per, good percentage of the workforce is not going to be in office anymore. So, so in terms of the design of your security, in terms of the design of your high ability of your of your systems, even the DR locations, all this is going to change. So it's forcing it's forcing architects, it's forcing it's forcing IT leaders, business leaders to reconsider options or review at least. So, because previously it's like it's just it's just ticking the boxes, isn't it? It's like, oh, I have DR tick, yes. I I I have I have a HA on on, on this system, yes tick. When you go to in depth questions, where is the DR located? How far is it? Uh, this HA, how fast can we get it up yourself? What happens if we need to shut down the entire country resources and we need to shift everything to the next country nearby? So do we have that in place? So these are the questions that have started to really pop up 
on the discussions on all levels because of the whole COVID uh, situation itself. Then you talk about the impact on IT, especially on networks. It is a big impact. So there's two parts about it. So the big impact can be companies who are really cost aware, who are very sensitive to cost, will start to analyze even more like, okay, now that I have a good percentage of my workforce away from my current office, away from my factory system, uh, is the cost that we are paying for the network still correct? So, so they, they, start to, they start to think about this. They start to think what are different options. And, stuff. and then you need, really need to start to innovate. Okay, if there are, if I, even if I reduce my bandwidth, reduce my, yeah, my, my dedicated clients and everything, so how can I transform this cost to enable my users that's not within the premises? So this is just an example. So it's forcing people to really analyze, are they paying for the correct things? Are they still doing things the correct way? Even if they were doing it correctly two years ago or 12 months ago, itself, are they still doing it correctly now? Itself? And what innovation can they bring to it? Because yeah, things have changed, but have we changed? Itself? I think that's the, that's, the, that's the big question a lot of van managers and network guys are thinking at the moment as well. So. That's actually very interesting. And in some ways, as you were talking, I was thinking how the whole problem has gotten more humanized. You know, we are now able to relate technology to the human impact in a way, either for positive or negative. Yep. And um, when we talk about humanization, it has impacted our kids, our parents. Oh, yes. uh, it isn't just the workplace itself. So it's a very significant shift. And, and in this context, I also maybe wanted to look at how it has impacted you and your team and maybe even your leadership style. You know, you're based in Singapore. Volex is headquartered in the UK. And I'm sure you've got uh, many of your team members that are globally distributed. How have you, you know, evolved your leadership style during this time? How have you managed, motivated your teams? And you know, how do you keep things sane, basically? Yeah, definitely. That's a big part of my challenges for the past few months, especially. So, so I'll say, of course, everyone has their own natural preferred leadership style. But I really, for the past few years, or yeah, past few years of my career, so I really am a strong believer of situational leadership. So I forced myself to train into various styles of leadership, whether you, depending on the model that you believe in, there can be four styles or six styles. So. Because to me, an effective leader, I mean, it's like communications, isn't it? Communication is only effective and it's two ways. It's same as leadership as well. You need to be able to change your leadership and your methods and your strategy depending on the situation. So, so that's one key way that I use. Uh, it can be confusing, I guess, for, for my guys. Sometimes Lucas is this coaching leader. One hour later, he's this directive leader. So this, that's something that they, <laughs> that's something that I, I established from day one with them. This is, this is what I believe in and why I, why I do it. So, and I think I like to use the metaphor of fishing when it comes to this, especially with the current situation of COVID. So those who are done fishing before, you know, you have to reel in, you have to let go to prevent the hook from break, from from breaking, prevent the line from from breaking as well, isn't it? So to keep your to keep your guys engaged, so. especially in challenging times like this, so. if you keep on just trying to pull, trying to reel them in, trying to trying to get things done, hundred percent all the time, you never know. Like you say, like you, like you mentioned earlier, so you never know what's going on 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 the, on the back end in their personal life system. So. so they may reach a point where they they get burned out. Something else more important than work to crop up. So it's a good practice to know when you need to release and when you need to pull isn't it? So as, a, as a leader. So, so the, some of the details that people ask me, so yeah, that's the metaphor, Lucas. So how do you really do it then? So 
So what I always done even before pre-COVID stuff, I manage all my guys' teams as individuals. So I like to schedule sessions with them. So let them feel that they are actually individuals that we are actually value and we're concerned for for them itself. I don't want them to feel that I'm just a number here in the company. So I really have conversations with them. I stress the importance of family importance to them as well. I say, yeah, if you need the hours to 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 spend the time with the family, the kids, with the parents, with your spouse, yeah, let me know. So I would definitely support that as much as possible. And I always encourage them to make sure they have something outside of work to keep them distracted. Whether if you whether if you are a sports person or whether you're a person who likes to sit down at a jazz bar, I don't know. Everyone has every everyone has their own way of of of, of escaping the stress uh, from everything. So, but that's something I always encourage them to make sure they have that in mind. And one key point for me, because working across the different regions and countries around the world so, so I do have a, like a pre-agreement that I try to limit their hours in terms of what kind of crazy hours I will call for meetings. So, so I told them the certain hours of the day for their time zone that I will not touch regardless unless it is firefighting time itself. For meetings, for calls, for discussions, yeah, there will be a limit on what hours I will set. So. So I let them know that, yeah, just because I'm sitting here in Singapore and you're sitting there in America doesn't mean that I will make you wake up two in the morning, three in the morning just to have a one-hour discussion call kind of setup. So, so I think these are the few strategies and little details that I try to keep people sane and happy, I guess. Is and that's wonderful. I mean, one of the biggest traits of a genuine people leader is how they demonstrate empathy. And what you just uh, said right now really demonstrates a lot of that. I think your team would have been very happy to have you as their leader. So kudos to you on that. Thank you. And so uh, before we wrap up, I I want to maybe call out the technology geek in you and say, if you were to look forward in the next five to 10 years, what are some of the technology happenings that excite you? Either things you want to dabble in or you want to bring into your work environment or just learn about. Well, I wouldn't say I would like to dabble in itself, but like you say, there are a few, I think there's a, there's a lot of new technology trends coming up. Three, I think has really caught up my, my eye itself. I think first is AR, the augmented reality, especially with the current situation where people are working away from offices uh, and we can't travel that much itself. So I'm really looking forward to how AR comes to the mass markets is really useful for training, useful for reviews. I have worked with some technology partners and we have seen that you can do a factory tour with just the goggles on and stuff. And you can yeah, you, you can walk around for an, and one to two hours around the factory to do a to do a proper review and stuff. But I really like to see it how it becomes a really mass that is available to the mass market itself. There'll be a really interesting usage case in terms of training different areas you can possibly use it for, especially now that everybody is, it's not that easy for everybody to be in the same location, probably just like six months ago or 12 months ago. So so that's the AR part. And then one key part is the whole, I mean, yeah, it is a very overly used buzzwords, machine learning and AI. But to me, the areas I like to really see it explode, if I use the correct word, in terms of cybersecurity and networking as well. So, So I can give a, Brief example of like what, what I would really like to see is of, I mean, for security, yes, there is vendors out there and they have some products already and I, I've done demos with them as well. So. But it's still not to the point of maturity where we can say that everything I receive or on an email or something that pops up to me has already been verified and all the AI 
has, has, has checked that this is 100% safe. It's about, oh, what is the percentage of this is not safe? So if you really have a good analysis and a really proactive prevention, I think that will really help the entire industries. I mean, look at the issues with the scene, isn't it? It's of even big boys with the whole solar winds incident itself, they were not spared as well. Also. And the networking part, I think there's a lot of potential. Uh, if it's doable, I mean, I'm not the guy who's going to do it, to be honest, itself, but if there's good enough AI and machine learning in the network, so you can imagine that probably will be the next phase of SD-WAN, is it? So when, your, when your SD-WAN is able to detect the when, that, when, when is the network most busy, which sites are visited the most in what kind of hours, and it adjusts itself to optimize based on based on those learnings and, and, and studies so i mean right now yeah we have the whole threshold we have the whole bandwidth kind of, kind of setups so, but really interesting you bring on the next levels and it's so what kind of users use what kind of sex and what kind of services and how can the network adapt and change to it straight away so so that's the second point that really affects me in, in terms of the trends and of course the last one a lot of people have talked about it is of the whole edge computing to me edge computing has to be inclusive together with technology of 5G is because uh, there's no real use if you have a lot of powerful edge computing and you have no way to get the data out or in itself, isn't it? I think 5G is is probably going to be the the it's going to be the, the technology that's going to enable that to happen and stuff. So I think with those two combined, it'll be very really interesting to see how much of computing or how much things can be done at, at the end points or, or at the edge of the products and stuff. So I think these three different technology trends are the most exciting to me, I would say, in the next near future. So. Well, Lucas, um, I could certainly sense the excitement as you talked about them. And, um, you know, I hope you get to really help, um, you know, deploy a lot of these things and bring them into live environments in a big way, in a manner that it creates impact for Volex uh, as you progress your career there. I, I really want to thank you. You're not just a thought leader. You came across as a technology as well as a human leader. And it's a rare combination to have somebody that encompasses all three. You also had a lot of good philosophy that you combined with technology, which appeals to me personally. And um, I think you've mastered a lot of metaphors as well, which made the conversations very interesting. Uh, I want to thank you for being an Ariaka customer, but more importantly, for carving out uh, time from your morning today and uh, spending, sharing some of your insights. I hope to get back to you with uh, and ask for another podcast on change management sometime down the line. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be an area of passion for you. So with that, um, you know, thanks a lot, Lucas. Appreciate your, your time today. Thanks a lot, Sashi. So it was a really nice pleasure. Um, and I look forward to either hosting you in the United States or coming to Singapore whenever all of these restrictions lift up and uh, meet you in person. I am really looking forward to that as well. So. Thank you so much. You have a good rest. Of time.